Ladies and gentlemen, we are a little over two weeks away from one of the biggest vintage markets in the state of South Carolina, coming to you live October 7th, 12 to 6 p.m. at Holland Park Greenville on Lawrence Road. An awesome, an awesome, awesome, awesome experience for everyone involved. 30 plus vendors from in and around the state and just from a few guys out of the state that come in to bring an awesome vintage collection, whether that is t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, to even just jewelry or maybe other accessories such as vinyls and things like that, this is definitely the place for you. So if you're interested in coming to a place that makes you feel like you went through a time machine, this is the place for you. Like I said, hosted by a hyped experience, we have 30 plus vendors coming out, Holland Park Greenville, and we're going to have a heck of a time, 12 to 6 p.m., Holland Park Greenville on Lawrence Road in Greenville, 12 to 6 p.m., this is the place for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into it. College Football Fridays, week four, but first let's do a quick week three recap. So, Florida defeats top 15 Tennessee 29-16. We had FSU nearly losing to Boston College 31-29. Alabama won a very shaky game 17-3 against USF. And on top of that, Colorado won a classic double OT great game against Colorado State. 43-35, a great showing by the Buffaloes in their heart. Incredible game so far, but let's take a look at this next week. So, well, actually tomorrow because all the games are tomorrow, but let's take a look at it. So the Rutgers versus number two, Michigan. I mean, Michigan right now struggled a little bit on the offensive side of the ball uh, last time we saw him against Bowling Green. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, even though he had two TDs, he threw three interceptions. And Blake Corum, he had to kind of carry the load, uh, the load a little bit, had two rushing TDs. And on top of that, the way that they were able to respond at halftime, even though they were able to be up 14-6 against Bowling Green, they cannot allow some of these, these smaller teams that they're going to be playing against later on this season to have that kind of life. Because if they kind of give that that little bit of life or that little bit of of showing struggles on their offense or defensive side of the ball, they're going to struggle against gay, against teams like Ohio State and Penn State later on in the season because – out of their last three games of the season, those two teams are showing up on their schedule, Penn State and Ohio State. So Michigan really needs to get a little bit more confidence under their belt in order to contend, like I said. But we definitely have a few interesting scenarios that we could go through later on in this in this uh, quick breakdown of week four. Now, for Oklahoma versus Cincinnati. Oklahoma, I mean, their offense and just on top of that, their overall efficiency has been really well so far, putting up 20-plus so far on the offensive side and just on top of that as an overall team um, in their past few games. And, and right now, Dylan Gabriel put up five TDs, and Javante Barnes played really well with the rushing TD as well in their last matchup. Um, and that defense, I mean, that defense is definitely going to be one of the biggest things that you really need to watch out for when they have games against Texas because you have guys like Gentry Williams, Danny Stutzman, and Trace Ford all combining for three INTs. And Jared Kanak, I mean, he's one of the guys that had sacks as well. So, I mean, the Sooners, their overall efficiency is going through the roof and they're playing really well. But let's go ahead and get into one of the biggest ACC matchups that we have this week in Florida State versus Clemson. So, Florida State, I mean, right now, uh, looking at how they played against Boston College, I mean, they really struggled with kind of getting things going. And on top of that, too, Boston College definitely had the opportunity to win the game, but they really got caught up in a lot of foul troubles or penalty troubles. And with that game was really decided um, coming down to the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. 
and unfortunately, in a very crucial third down, there was a face mask penalty that probably, if that didn't happen, they would be short of the third, and therefore, you know, Florida State was able to win the game. But, uh, I mean, Jordan Travis still played good. 212 yards, two TDs, and that defense that they have, man, is so scary for, for teams. And, and this team going up against Clemson, this is going to be a very interesting one because, I mean, you have guys like Kalen Deloach, you have Renardo Green, DJ Lundy. Those are all guys that are going to be looking to headhunt guys like Will Shipley, Bo Collins, and on top of that, uh, and on top of that, uh, Kate Klubnick. So those are guys to watch out for when it comes to the defense. And, Cade and how Clemson played last week, and I know it was against FAU, but they were able to show the potential that this team brings when they play at their fullest potential. And for Cade, I mean, he played great. 169 yards, three TDs, and the entire team of Clemson looked like a great ball potential, like I said, but they have to realize that potential in a matchup like this. And this is one of the biggest matches so far in the season. And this is possibly a matchup that could determine the like the way that the ACC is going to go because there is a lot of teams right now in the ACC that right now can can look like clear-cut contenders for an ACC conference title. Um, and right now, with the way that the defense looked with guys like TJ Parker, Jalen Phillips, all had sacks, and also Khalil Burns and Wade Woodaz, and then also you had um, Nate Wiggins, they all combined for three, three INTs. Um, and if Clemson really keeps that defensive consistent, which I think that they're going to be able to do to a degree, they really, really, really have to play well on offense. Because right now, Will Shipley has been getting red a little bit on the on the running defense when it comes to other teams. I mean, the running defense has really been able to shut him down, including against Duke, even though he was able to punch it in. But um, off, I mean, the offensive side of the ball cannot afford any type of miscues that they got. The miscues that Clemson has on on offense cannot be had. Like they they cannot afford those against Florida State. And on top of that, too, with Florida State, um, with that offensive efficiency, that defense for Clemson has to match that. And they really have to play awesome coverage. And they have to shut down Jordan Travis because he's a very electric playmaker. And last year, um, when we played him, I mean, we nearly lost that game. And right now, they look a whole lot stronger than they did last time. So Clemson really needs to come out and play their best game that they've played so far all season in order to make a statement in the ACC. Um, so it really this this type of matchup is something that Cade Klubnick needs when it comes to his resume as a quarterback at Clemson because the quarterback spot right now, um, even though we've we've had big quarterbacks over the past few years, I mean, filling well, not even just like. There's great quarterbacks in, in Clemson's history. Trevor Lawrence and on top of that, Deshaun Watson are just are just two of the best. But um, in order for Cade to really submit himself as, as someone to watch out for the rest of this year, he really needs to play well in this game. And he really needs to make an absolute statement against Florida State in order to contend, like I said, for an ACC title shot. And right now... Cade has to look for guys like Bo Collins and on top of that Antonio Williams to step up in big games like this. And the offensive play calling needs to be so much better than how it was on the first week. And the offensive miscues have to be zero to to minimum of like one or two. Because we, well, we don't even know. It would be a whole lot better if their offensive miscues were kept at a minimum in this game in order to beat Florida State. But Florida State's offense is definitely going to be the biggest point of concern. But Depending on how our defense looks, I think our defense can kind of hold to a, to a degree, but the offensive efficiency of Clemson is what's going to decide this game for the Tigers, for sure. Because the defense is definitely strong enough to, to, to hold, 
but they need guys. They need guys to step up. And the guys that, that stepped up last week, they really stepped up. And they really need a repeat performance like that. So, in my opinion, it's going to be a very close matchup. But just basing off of how Clemson looks a little bit with how, how, their, how their team's looking a little bit when they're, when they're clicking on both sides of the ball, I think it's definitely going to be a close one. And I think Clemson's probably going to edge this one out maybe 31-28 against Florida State. Now, the next one we have is Miami versus Temple. Now, for Miami, after they beat Texas A&M and after uh, defeating BCU in their last matchup, um, they were able to really kind of kind of show a little bit more of what they're made of, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you have great guys like Ruben Bain Jr., Chase Smith, Jacob uh, uh, Lichtenstein, and also you have uh, Jared Harrison Hunt. Those are all some of the guys that you really need to watch out for that defense. And you also have Tyler Van Dyke, who's one of the one of the top QBs right now in the ACC, it seems, even though this entire uh, conference is looking really elite with the amount of great um, QBs that are in the conference right now. I mean, you have Riley Leonard, uh, you have you have Drake May, you have um, you have Jordan Travis, and there's so many great guys that are in that are in this uh, that are in this special group of of great conference quarterbacks, and those are just to name a few. Um, but I mean, this 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 Miami team is definitely going to get tested later on in the season, and I mean, you have matchups against UNC, Clemson, Florida State. Those are all some of the guys that they have to beat in order to contend for an ACC title later on. Um, but for this one, I think Miami's just going to keep the train rolling. Uh, but the next one we have is number 19, Colorado versus number 10, Oregon. So for Colorado, Shador Sanders threw for 348 yards. I mean, yeah, 348 yards, four TDs and one INT. It was a wild shootout in Boulder. But one of the biggest storylines besides their win was uh, Travis Hunter got injured with a mean shot uh, from a defensive player from uh, Colorado State. And just to go on a little bit of a tangent, when it comes to when it comes to sports, there's a lot of passion influenced uh, behavior for a lot of people who watch sports in general. When it comes to NFL, NBA, soccer, whatever you name it. Um, but the one thing that's really unacceptable is death threats to to a guy like that. I mean, I understand that it didn't really look like the the cleanest hit or exactly a, a hit that would have been um, necessarily acceptable. But for, for that right there, that's just something that you don't really condone in, in college sports, just in sports in general. It's just something that you don't really want to get into. That's not the type of uh, sportsmanship that people like. Um, but for for the Buffalo receivers, played really good. Had four combined TDs from guys like uh, 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 Xavier Weaver, Michael Harrison, Jimmy Horn Jr. Played really well. And the defense clutched up when it mattered. And Colorado State was able to get on, a, get on, the, on their bike early and was able to take a little bit more of an advantage to start the game. Um, but the defense, like I said, really stepped up. Pick six from Shiloh Sanders, uh, picks from Cameron uh, Silman, and also uh, Trevor Woods. I mean, they all combined for more than two INTs for that defense for, for the Buffaloes. But here's the thing. That defense against Oregon is going to be really tough. And they have to show off how good they can be. And this is one of their make-or-break moments because this is their toughest test so far. And and their schedule is stacked to the, to the gills, too. Whoever wins the Pac-12, I think, in this year, um, and whoever can win out in their, in their respective schedules because um, all these schedules are so stacked. And this is one of the things that I'll get to, even though this is not one of the games I'm going to break down, but um, – you have you have South. I mean, you have a uh, USC, the Trojans. You have them going up against Arizona State tomorrow. But look at their schedule. 
next like in the next few weeks. I mean, they have you. I mean, you obviously have the Trojans versus the Buffaloes. That's that's going to be on the thirtieth of September. Um, you have Arizona next after that. Then you have Notre Dame. You have Utah. You have uh, Cal, and then lastly, um, well, actually, no, not lastly. You have you have to go up against Washington, and then also on top of that too, you have to go up against Oregon, and then lastly, you have to go up against UCLA. So with USC, if the Trojans can win out their schedule, I really do think that they have the opportunity to maybe be at that number one spot in the CFP, but it really depends on how everyone else fares. And I'll get to that in a little bit later, but anyways, I'm going back on, on topic. So for Oregon, I mean, so far they've been playing really well, 174 total points combined in their first few games of the season. While, while two of their games have, have so far been, been really well. I mean, they won two really good games against, uh, not really good games. They, I mean, they really showed off their, their total potential against a few unranked teams. But when they played against Texas Tech, they only won by eight. It was a really close game for them. And this 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 kind of performance against Texas Tech is, is something that they cannot allow against Colorado. Because Colorado can definitely make things happen. I mean, you literally just saw it last week when they were able to come back and beat Colorado State in double overtime. So... For the defense with Oregon, with guys like Elijah Palmer, Natu Emerson, and also Justin Sinclair, those are all some of the guys that are going to step up against Colorado, and they're going to rise to that occasion. And with this young Colorado team that you know has gotten so many different transfers and so many different faces, but familiar faces to Deion Sanders, this is going to be a game where you, you kind of see what their identity is and, and what they're made of. And... With the receivers of Oregon, like Alex Perry and Pafole Ashlock, those are all some of the biggest weapons that are going to try to carve up the Buffalo secondary. But you also really need to watch out for their for their for their QB. Bo Nix, I mean, he's been absolutely awesome so far. And when you look when you look at guys uh, like they have on the offense, man, I mean, <laughs> you really have to wonder how Colorado's gonna gonna fare against that. But that's where Deion Sanders comes in with his with his awesome football IQ. And on top of that too with just how well that he brings things to the table and how he's able to make great game plans, throw up great plays. I mean the way that he coached against TCU was absolutely awesome. It was by far one of their biggest uh performances so far of the season. Um and for them to beat TCU the way that they did and showed the real heart of that team and also and also really kind of had an opportunity to to shut some people up in a way. I mean, this is their opportunity to shut a lot of people up. But um, I feel like this game is going to be close early. But in my opinion, I feel like Oregon, their offense is going to be a little bit too much to handle. And I think that defensive of Oregon will make a few late stops. And I think that Oregon's going to land a few strikes late to end the matchup. So I think the, I think the end of this game is probably going to be 35-21 Oregon. Now, the next one we have is Ole Miss versus Alabama. So... For both these teams, both of these teams right now are currently on completely different trajectories is what I'm seeing right now. So for Ole Miss, I mean, right now, I mean, their last game, they played up against Georgia Tech, scored 48, even though they kind of get into a little bit of a slugfest on their defense. And their defense was a little bit was a little bit uh, flustered. But that offense of, of Ole Miss is definitely going to be one of the biggest problems for Alabama. But Alabama's biggest prob- problem right now is that offensive efficiency and how they're going to be able to bounce back after a very shaky win against USF. But for Ole Miss, man, I mean, (laughs) 
the defense of the Rebels definitely have the opportunity to capitalize on that inefficiency right now. And with guys like Trey Washington, Isaac Ukwu, and on top of that, Jeremiah, Gene Baptiste, those are some of the biggest guys that need to step up and really capitalize on that offensive inefficiency for Alabama. But right now for Alabama, they they really did their thing on defense when they played against USF. They had five sacks against USF. And the biggest question is who's going to start this week because the offensive inefficiency at the QB spot is the biggest problem for the Tide. And personally, if I was Nick Saban, I would put Jalen Milrow back in. And I understand that like there was a lot of criticism or there's a lot of uh, things that were said probably about how he played against Texas. But you really want a game with with Ty with Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson to come in, both subbing in and out to just only get over a hundred yards. Jalen Milrow, I think, deserves that that starting spot against against those guys. I mean, just showing what they had. And the rushing offense of Alabama was the only thing that I saw was going well for Alabama. I mean, you had Roydell, you had Roydell, uh, Williams, and Ty Simpson. Those are the only guys. I mean, here's the thing. Ty Simpson secured a rushing TD, but he has to, if he's going to start next week, well, no, not next week. If he's going to start tomorrow against Ole Miss, he really needs to do a whole lot better. So, in my opinion, for Alabama, their defense also has great talent, man. And just because they lost to Texas, I remember Paul Feinbaum said that, said that, oh, well, Nick Saban's over if, if he doesn't compete for the CFP. His, his legacy's already been submitted, dude. Anyone with two eyes and, and you know, <laughs> well, anyone, with, anyone that has two eyes and lungs can really see that this man – has already have a legacy. He could retire tomorrow, and he'd probably be one of the best coaches of all time. He's probably the best coach right now of all time in the, in the entirety of college football for sure. I mean, that defense for Alabama, they have guys like Dallas Turner, Malachi Moore, Deontay Lawson, and Chris Braswell. Those are all going to be guys that are going to try to get to Jackson Dart. So, honestly, I could see Ole Miss starting off early because they've given Bama problems in the past. And I could see that offense with their high efficiency so far for Ole Miss. I can see them starting off red hot, and then Alabama might bounce back late. So for this one, I think Alabama is going to lose in a close one. I think it's probably going to be 24. I'm probably going to go with 24-17 in this one. It's going to be a very close game. But uh, the next one we have is Duke versus Connecticut. So for Duke, I mean, Riley Leonard been playing really well so far. And guys like Jalen Calhoun, Jordan Moore, those are all some of the biggest guys on that offensive side of the ball for for the Blue Devils. And when you have guys on the the defense like uh, Kendall Johnson, Miles Jones, and Chandler Rivers, those are all some of the biggest guys that you need to watch out for when it comes to the defensive efficiency of Duke. And when they play up against guys like – when they play up against uh, against teams like Florida State, Notre Dame, UNC all later on this season, they really need to have all well-rounded performances in order to contend, especially against Notre Dame and Florida State. Um, those are the two biggest games. And then, of course, you you know that, they're, that they want to get some bragging rights against uh, UNC. Um, but then the next matchup we have is UCLA versus Utah. So for UCLA, I mean – UCLA been on a roll so far. Last two games they put up a minimum of 35 points, and for this game, uh, this is just one of their of their three straight games against possibly ranked opponents. And like I said, I mean, we all know that definitely there's definitely going to be changes in the rankings depending on this week because I mean there's a few ranked versus ranked games going on this this uh, this week, and obviously I'm here to break them down. So 
the Bruins' offense, I mean, they've been rolling. Dante Moore had been playing great, 182 yards, two TDs. Anthony Adkins ran for a TD as well against NCC. Um, the defense the defense with guys like uh, Donovan, Pellet, uh, Choey, Bryant, uh, Strother, and Dovid Magna, those are some of the biggest guys that you have to watch out who are going to look to disrupt that shaky Utah offense because right now, the Utah, I mean, Utah has is right now they're they're three and zero, and they start off uh, with three three games with unranked opponents. And even though Florida just just became ranked, they they had really close calls against Florida and Baylor, and against Weber State, they finally showed what that offense can bring to the table and what the entire team can bring to the table. I mean, because Nate Johnson threw for 193 yards in a TD and also ran for a, a TD as well. And the defense with Cole Bishop, Logan Fano, those are some of the biggest guys that contributed to the win. And against the Bruins, that Utah offense really has to stand tall because as of right now, I see the Bruins probably winning this game due to how Dante Moore has been able to perform. And I just think that the the Bruins offense is a little bit more is a little bit more explosive, and on top of that, they they have the opportunity to make game changing plays. Um, so I really think that uh, UCLA is probably going to win this one. I think that they're going to win this one probably probably twenty eight fourteen. I can see it like that. So um, now the next one we have is UTSA versus Tennessee. So for Tennessee, after a very disappointing loss to Florida. In which they've really struggled. I mean, they have some. De- they definitely have some weight on their shoulders after after their loss as Joe Milton. I mean, he was able to do his thing, uh, but they only scored 16 points, their lowest so far this season. And with this with this matchup against uh, U- uh, UTSA, they have three straight South Carolina. I mean, uh, no, 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 like uh, SEC opponents. I'm sorry, and one of them is is a team that beat them badly last year, which was South Carolina. So, I mean, they have South Carolina first after this game, Texas A&M, and then they have Alabama, who's currently ranked as well. Um, so for Tennessee's sake, they really need to keep rolling, and they really need to to beat teams like South Carolina, Alabama, and Texas A&M until they face Georgia, because they have to face Georgia later on this year. And they have a big chance at defeating Georgia, just depending on how they looked last week against against South Carolina. Even though they beat South Carolina, they only won by 10, and South Carolina was their biggest test so far this year. Um, and that defense really needs to gear itself up against some of those elite offenses, man. And they need big performances from their defense with their guys like Bryson uh, Eason, Elijah Herring, and also Aaron Beasley. Those are all going to be guys that you really need to look at when they go up against teams like Georgia and Alabama. Now, the next one we have is Florida versus Charlotte. Florida is now number 25 ranked in the country, and the Gators just rolled Tennessee. 29-16, great performances from guys like Trevor, Etienne, Graham Mertz, and the defense really had a great share of performances from guys like Scooby Williams, Cam Jackson, Jordan Castell, and also Tyreek Sapp played really well. And for them, Florida definitely has a few games that are going to be a little bit of tall order. I mean, you have South Carolina, Georgia, LSU, and Florida State later on this year. And if Florida can can really continue that type of performance that they just had against against Tennessee, I mean, we could see them staring into maybe a top fifteen or top ten plus spot in in for the CFP. Even though they have, they would probably have to wait one more year, obviously, because the new format starts next year where there's going to be more teams for the CFP. But I mean, Florida, Florida, I mean. 
if they win this game against Charlotte and and right now they have they have games like Charlotte obviously this week Kentucky and Vanderbilt later on uh, until some of the big games in the season they have an opportunity to kind of ride the wave of different teams falling and if if they win they can move up the rankings until they play some of the bigger games but I'm not saying that they just need to take it easy I'm saying that they do not they cannot like put their foot off the gas pedal and they can't allow they can't allow themselves to kind of just kind of just fall back and let and let them just you know expect a coast they need to play really well and they really need to make statements as they can move up the ladder at, at the uh, you know in the top 25 in the country and they can probably move into a top a top you know 20 spot um, but it really depends on how how everything shakes out this weekend this will be one of the first weekends of many that decide the the fate of so many different teams now for the next one we have is Arkansas versus LSU so for LSU I mean guys you had Jaden Daniels. I mean, you had two passing TDs recently, two rushing TDs with uh, uh, Malik Neighbors. He had 239 receiving yards and two TDs as well. And the defense, the defense, even though they struggled a lot against Florida State, they look like they've been doing all right so far. They have Mikai Wingo, Harold Wingo, Savion Jones, and Major Burns uh, all combining for four sacks. Played really good. And the defense looked a whole lot better this week. And they have great matchups down the line. They have Ole Miss. And eventually they're going to have to go up against someone like against Florida. So there's definitely a few big games that they have later on in their schedule that you have to watch out for. Um, now the next one we have is Oregon State versus number 21 Washington State. So for Oregon State, I mean, their offense has been rolling, killing it so far. DJU been playing really well. I mean, even though he had he had uh, two INTs um, and also one TD passing, he ran for a TD and guys like Anthony Gold really stepped up in the defense like uh, with guys such as uh, – Andrew Chatfield, who had two sacks in a supporting cast, um, like guys like Corey Stover and John McCartan, they were all being to some of the guys that you really need to watch out for when they go up against Cam Ward because the Cougars right now, they played really well. Cam Ward's been playing really good. I mean, he had 327 yards in his last game and four TDs. The offense has been killing it with guys like Dylan Payne, Lincoln Victor, all being pivotal weapons in their win against Northern Colorado. And I know it was against Northern Colorado, but this is a really big game for the Cougars. And right now, if they if they use their defensive weapons to get to DJU, who has struggled a little bit with with how teams can collapse the pocket, just like you saw at Clemson when he when he kind of gets QB draw plays, um, they are, they're going to be looking to guys like Ron Stone Jr., Reese Sylvester, and also Brennan Jackson, all looking to bring the heat and definitely trying to spoil the party for the Oregon State as the as the much anticipated and the much stacked. Um, or the or the very stacked Pac-12, the title race is definitely going to be heating up in the next few weeks, uh, and also for the title, and also to to pick two teams in that conference to to try to contend for that title as well is going to be a tall order. Now the next one we have is number three Texas versus Baylor. So for Texas, they had a really hard time getting going in their last time out as they were only up 10-7 at half until Tex really really bounced back with 21 points in the fourth. Quinn Ewers played really good, threw for over 100 yards in two TDs, and Jonathan Brooks ran for over 100 yards. And that defensive Texas, I mean, really looking like a like a pure team right now on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, you have Baron Sorrell, Ryan Watts, and Jade Burton. Those are all some of the biggest guys that came up big late in that game against Wyoming. It's a little bit of a scare at home. Uh, well, actually, no, just a little bit of a scare for, for Texas. And I think with them... Texas really needs to 
keep their feet under I mean they really need to keep they really need to keep their feet from underneath them because if they trip up against someone like Oklahoma and which could be very possible their their season of or maybe their hopes of getting to a CFP will be halted dead in the water. Now the next one we have and then here's the thing if they struggled the way that they did against Wyoming, Baylor was really close to pulling off an upset early on to the season. So after their very fo- after their very close game against Utah, Baylor really came up big. I mean, they scored thirty points uh, after that loss against Utah. Um, Sawyer Johnson, I mean Sawyer Robinson had a TD, and Dawson Pendergrass had one rushing TD. And with that potentially, I mean, with that defensive, I mean, with that defensive focus from Texas, they might have a little bit of a problem with that offense from Baylor. And they can perhaps scare Texas early and maybe be able to upset Texas, but we don't know. Um, and that's going to be one of the biggest matchups to watch out for so far. That could be a really sleeper game. But I think Texas, once they find their rhythm, they're a very dangerous and very hard team to beat. So therefore, I think Texas is probably going to surge this one late. And probably win this one. They're probably going to win this one maybe maybe 35-21, I could see. It's going, to be a, it's going to be close early, but I could see maybe Texas pulling away late. Now, the next one we have is number 24, Iowa versus number 7, Penn State. Now, for Iowa, the last time they, they showed out, they went up against Western Michigan, scoring 41 points on the offense and had their best defensive game so far, uh, and they only allowed 10 points. Now, for the offense, the offense really has to show consistency against Penn State, and the offense is the biggest problem so far for Iowa. I mean, I mean, Cade McNamara, I mean, he threw for two. I mean, he threw for for two TDs, two INTs, and Kamari Moulton really had to pick up the slack, two TDs, and Max White had a TD as well. So the defense of the Hawkeyes really need to be careful of how dynamic this Penn State offense is. And I really think that that uh, Penn State's defense is going to shut down that Iowa offense, considering the fact that this is their biggest test of the season so far for the Hawkeyes. Let look at I mean like let's look at why man Penn State's Drew Allar been been an absolute key on the offensive side of the ball for them and you got guys like Tyler Warren Katron Allen those are all being some of the biggest guys or some of the biggest weapons that you have to watch out for in their most recent win and Kobe King Kalen King and Zaki Wheatley those are all going to be guys that are going to take down or look to isolate uh, Cade McNamara and also just really shut down guys like Max White and Kamara Moulton as well. Um, and the guys on offense, guys, I mean, <laughs> they have they have mean targets in that receiving core. Nicholas Singleton, Liam Clifford, Keandre Lambert, Smith. Those are all guys that are going to be tearing up that secondary of, of the Hawkeyes. So I really think that Iowa is going to fall at this one. And I think it's going to be an ugly one. I think that I think that Penn State's going to pull this one off maybe 42-14. Now the next one we have is Ohio State. Man, man, oh man, this is the biggest game so far of the season that I'm going to be able to watch, and I'm really excited for this one. We have Ohio State versus number nine, Notre Dame. So, for Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a chance to shake things up as their very high-volume offense. I mean, they've put up at least 40 points so far each game so far this season. And that's because of guys like Sam Hartman playing really great, Audrey Estime, and also Holden Staves. Those are some of the biggest weapons on that Irish offense. And for them... They have a really big chance of knocking off Ohio State, who's had a little bit of a, of a problem getting going so far. And for them to go up against that defense, I mean, that defense is definitely something that you cannot, that you cannot take lightly when you go up against someone like Ohio State. And for Ohio State, with guys like Kyle McCord, who has done, who has done well, really well um, so far, uh, I mean, even though they struggled against Indiana, they were able to play against smaller teams such as uh, – you know, Western Kentucky and Youngstown State. 
which is different when they're going up against someone like the Notre Dame against the Fighting Irish. And Trayvon Henderson, those are some of the or Travion uh, Henderson, those are some of the biggest guys so far on the offense. He had two rushing TDs. Um, and those those receiving targets with Amike uh, Egbuka and also Carnell Tate, those are some of the biggest threats on the offensive and de- defensive sides of the ball for Ohio State. And I mean on the wait on the on the offense for Egbuka and Carnell Tate, those are some of the biggest defensive threats on the offense. I mean, yeah, the bit yeah, for for um for Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's defense is definitely gonna have their hands full, but the defense of, of Ohio State, like I said, they got guys like Steel Chambers, Mitchell Melton, and on top of that, Tyleek Williams. They're all going to be trying to step up and really trying to punish that Notre Dame offense, which is going to be really hard for them. Uh, but the next one we have is UAB. Well, I'm going to give a, a quick score prediction for that one. I think it's going to be really close early, but then Notre Dame is going to is really going to find that rhythm on their, on their uh, receiving core. So I really think that Notre Dame is probably going to pull away and win this one in a shootout. I think it's probably going to be 42-35 Notre Dame. Now, the next one we have is UAB versus number one Georgia. Now, for Georgia, I mean, hardest game of the season so far right now was against South Carolina, 24-14. Georgia was only to, I mean, they only held, they they were only held to three points at halftime until Georgia came back with the help of Carson Beck, Dejon, uh, uh, Dejon, Edwards, and also on top of that, Marcus uh, Rosamy, those are some of the biggest pieces for their victory. But their defense also had guys like Jamon Dumas Johnson, and on top of that, Tyke Smith, Michael Williams, and also Nazir Stackhouse. And that defense of Georgia has been able to hold so far. So they really have to be aware of some of their other opponents that they have later on in the season, including Tennessee. But it all depends on how Tennessee plays, because Tennessee is really hit or miss sometimes. And with them to lose like Florida, I mean, or them to lose against Florida, that's a big red flag for the Tennessee, for the whole Tennessee team. Because if they want to be able to knock off number one Georgia, I really think that they could be able to, but they have to be playing really, really well. Now, the next one we have, and the last one that we have, is number 17 USC versus Pittsburgh. Now, for US for UNC, after a very close call against Appalachian State, the Tar Heels were able to bounce back 31-13 in their last game against Minnesota. Drake May played really well. Uh, he had 400 yards, two TDs, two INTs. Uh, Marion Hampton had one rushing TD. And if they can increase their stock in the ACC title race with, with a win against Pittsburgh, who is another opponent in the ACC, that'll be big for them. And on top of that, they, just, they have bigger matchups to worry about later on too. Um, but that defense really needs to get a little bit more confidence under its belt, and they really need to play better with guys like Power Equals and on top of that, Jacoby Kawan. Those are all some of the biggest guys that really need to be more flexible later on into the season when they go up against uh, interconference opponents in the ACC. Now, when you go up against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, I mean, Phil Jerkovic, um, he struggled a little bit in his last game, in his past few games. Three, He, had, he has three INTs and three TDs. And for them, they have to contain May, and they really have to play really well on defense with guys like Donovan McMillan, uh, McMillian, Solomon DeShields, and also uh, Shane Simon. Those are all some of the biggest guys that need to try to um, – they really need to try to step up in order to make this a great game against UNC. And that offense with guys like Rodney Hammond and also Gavin Bartholomew, those are some of the biggest guys that you need to watch out for against against the against the the Tar Heels later on in the game. 
But in this one, I think that UNC is probably going to be able to win this one. And I think UNC is probably going to win this one pretty convincingly. So I think it's probably going to be 28-7 Tar Heels. Now, thank you guys so much for listening for the College Football Fridays episode four of week four of the 2023 season. I will talk to you guys next time, and I will see you later.